Oh, yeah, Jason Tambor. I thought it was Jeffrey Tambor. Jeffrey Tambor. That's what I said. What did you hear? Yes, that is what you Jason. said. Jason! Jason! Hello and welcome to Saturday, the 16th of Smocktober. It is 12.22 p.m. That's a lot of twos in the 12.22 of the time of the day that we're talking about recording this podcast, which talks about video games and stuff like that. Hey, what's up? I'm your host, Austin. This is the TryGames.net podcast. And I'm here with... Oh, me, Pete. It is October and I got candy corn... I'm going to eat it. Um, oh, gross. Well, I'm glad there's someone out there who likes it. I love it. I drop it in Sam Adams' Oktoberfest. That's what I was going to say. Re- reveal your, your secret recipe. For anyone who hates candy corn, try it. What is it, Oktoberfest, you said? Yeah, just drop it in. Okay. Let, uh, I mean, I I get the. I think it only comes in bottles. I don't know if it comes in cans. But anyway, uh, yeah, drop it in the bottle, let it dissolve, and it sweetens it up, and it tastes like heaven. Oh, so it's not, you don't. Chew on it and then drink. You you have to let it sit. Well, you can do that too. I mean, that's how I discovered the taste because I was eating candy corn and I drank some some of the beer and I was like, oh, it tastes good. So then I just started dropping them in. Right. Wax makes everything taste better. Um. But yes, try that recipe. Email us with your other beer recipes for candy corn or other candies, like dropping a now and later into Guinness. That sounds actually really gross. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, then again, this is a guy who doesn't really like Guinness, so. I mean that. If you want to try it, hey, I'll drop anything into anything. Oh. Jolly, jolly, uh, rrr, jolly Rancher into, uh, come on, help me think. Jolly Rancher into Scotch. No, that's that's super gross. Um, you might as well have an apple martini. Um, that's all I can think of. That's it for the drink week. We don't talk about drinks. We talk about video games, actually. So let's talk about what you've been playing this week or these past two weeks since you weren't here last week and you were watching love happen. Oh, man, yeah. Love. I was was playing get fucking drunk and shit-faced, and it was awesome. And Anyway, (laughs) if we're going to talk about video games, though, I haven't played shit. (laughs) Um, What have I played? I played some rock band last night because I bought 2,400 points worth of songs. um, What came out? What did you... Did you buy the new stuff, or did you just buy some shit that you I, didn't have? I bought some new things that came out. Um, what oh man, I can't remember now. Uh, there was a, an Atreyu song, which uh, I'm a fan of Atreyu. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that that one? Uh, like that one artist, Casaban or whatever, Casabian. He's like it's like club music or whatever. It's uh, it's it's kind of it's, it's, um, it's, it's one of his songs that I don't think was on the store before. It's actually like I think his probably most well known song. Well known song. It's called Clubfoot. But if you heard it, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, I've heard that song." Um, Clubfoot. Yeah. Mm. Uh, man, I bought like a lot of stuff. I bought a lot of stuff actually out of the Rock Band Network because uh, there's a lot of bands in there that I like. Um, so yeah, uh, can't remember like, what it was now. <laughs> are they uh, are they lesser known? No, I mean they're more like you know. Late nineties, maybe early early aughts uh music. Um like uh Stroke Nine. I bought their two songs because uh I don't know. <laughs> I'm nostalgic for like there's Because you like called, stroking that nine. There's this one song called Little Black Backpack, which like 
I used to listen to a lot and sing along to. And I was like, yeah, I like that song. Ah. Well, I, I just the the reason and, I ask uh, is third eye blind. Oh, yeah. And they're on the Rock Band Network. Yeah, not on uh, not on the regular stuff. Not on the regular stuff. No. Yeah. See, that's where I, that's why I was going to ask you. I'm wondering how they kind of differentiate between flogging oh, Molly. Uh, go ahead. No, I was, uh, yeah, I was just going to say how they differentiate between like what they decide to put on themselves and then what the artists are just like. like so, so you well, is it basically I mean, that that three doors down was just like you know what, we're just going to do this shit ourselves? Yeah, because I mean they probably were never approached or asked. I mean I don't know. Maybe I they could have worked out some deal, but maybe it was just easier for easier. them to put on the network. Right. Right. Um, I mean, there are other bands like fucking MC Frontal. That's a good example because, you know, he's got a few songs in the actual rock band store. Right. But everything else that he's been putting out, he's been throwing on the network. So, like. And he's more niche, I'd say. Yeah, but it's just, it's funny. Or Jonathan Colton, you know, like. Right. He's got, like, you would think that if someone's already in the store, that, like, you know, if they wanted to put out more music, then, you know, rock harmonics would be like, hey, why won't you just put you right in the main store? But right. maybe they also like having these artists put stuff in the network because it helps drive some traffic towards the network. Now, how do they uh, increase awareness for the stuff that's on the network? And I ask simply because I never, I you know, I, I haven't been on the store in a while. Um, I have no no idea how they increase awareness of anything because every time I go on, man, I spent like three hours fucking just trying to find songs. stuff. Yeah, like I I open up the store, I just hit view all, you know, buy band, and I just go from A to Z in the rock band store. Then when I'm done with that, I jump over to the rock band network. Which the not rock band network loads a lot fucking slower than the actual store. It's oh. really annoying. Um, and uh, and I I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before, but they need to take out that fucking like noise. I hope it's not on rock band three for when you go like you know you're scrolling through songs. Yeah, I think I mentioned this before. Yeah, it's really annoying. Um, so uh, but yeah, like I don't know how they actually. Get attention. I mean, you know, when you lo- load up the game, there's a little like blurb sometimes at the bottom, like, "Hey, this is new in our store." But for the network, I- they don't. I really, yeah. yeah, I guess it's kind of up to the artist. Like, I follow MC Frontal out on Twitter, so like when he's got something new coming out on the network, he'll usually you know tweet about it. Um, but unless you're gonna follow like all your artists, and then unless they're tweeting about it, I don't really know how else you find out. Right, and that that's the other thing I wonder. It's like, do they want to increase exposure? Then they should probably put them in the store. But then I think if they put them in the store, it's easier for them to get lost in the shuffle. So it, it feels like a no-win situation, you know? Maybe, maybe yeah. it, I, I think maybe the reason why they keep it on the Rock Band Network is because, well, people know that they're going to be indie. But see, that's the other thing is that when people know that the Rock Band Network stuff is usually going to have more indie stuff or lesser-known stuff, the majority of people are kind of going to be like, I, I don't want to bother looking in there. But see, that's the so, thing. It's not always like indie or lesser known because I mean, like that's another blind, wrinkle. Like I said, yeah, that's uh, another wrinkle. So, and I'm sure there's other big artists in there that I can't think of right now. Uh, but um, I, don't, I just find I will that whole say segregation this. weird. Sorry, go I ahead. Say that. I, I, I just want to say that the rock band network has some of the greatest band names I've ever seen. Stuff like Cancer Bats. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's this one thing that's just like songs to wear pants to. Wow, I don't know. That's the artist name. I don't, like, there's like fucking crazy ass names. It's fantastic. Um, I think there's one's like called, what is it? Real Shark versus something. Was it? Was it T Rex or something? I don't know. Des saw it. It was funny. But anyway, oh, here's a good thing. In Rock Band Network, I did buy this. Uh, oh my God, what's his name? What's his name? The guy who made the game. Ah, I don't. I wanted to say it. Before. Oh, Silva. James, was it James Silva? I think he made the game. This is. Uh, it's the. Uh, Xbox Live Indie game, I made a game with zombies in it. 
uh, sounds name, somewhat familiar. I'm pretty but. sure his name's James Silva. But uh, like one of the reasons that was a big hit, it's like a dollar game on the indie store. It's you know just like a twin stick shooter. It's kind of silly, but it, the reason that game became like kind of like a, a journalist. I want to say industry, but it's usually, you know, always the journalist. So the journal, a hit with the journalist is because of the song that's in it. And I don't know if it's him or it's just some guy singing like, I made a game with zombies in it. That's <laughs> that my sounds really like a bad, twisted pixel joint. Yeah, it's my really bad impression of the song because I, I like don't remember how it goes. And I can't sing, but it's in sure rock band. And that song is almost as long as fucking Freebird. And oh. it's hilarious. And so I bought it. It's only 80 points, so it was only a dollar. <laughs> right. Huh. Interesting. That's all I got to say about Rock Band. That's all I got to say about that. Well, I'm we're talking about Rock Band, Band Network. I'm going to take a moment to shamelessly plug my friend's uh, Rock Band tracking studio, Rock Gamer Studios. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, started looking at, um, I started looking at my friend's uh, body of work. Well, not body of work, but just, like, what he does and basically... Uh, um, he's also the one who runs our rock band nights at the Village Poorhouse in New York uh, every Tuesdays, every Tuesdays, every Tuesday. <laughs> and he also he he also he, he used to work for for Ubisoft and then split off and decided to start up a studio that focused completely on tracking um, songs in Rock Band Network. So and then like I, I started looking at other studios and like there are a whole bunch of like small little out- outlets that popped up that specialize in this sort of thing. So I thought it was a pretty cool subculture that kind of, it's not just like the artists themselves that get up and do this, but you know, these little studios that are like, this is all we do. Like if you're an artist, you give us your song, we'll do it for you. Um, so yes, Rock Gamer Studios. Uh, yes. Anyway, all right. uh, you were saying something. Um, was I saying something? Oh, I was just saying uh, I'm psyched for Rock Band 3, although I think I'm just going to have, I'm going to have to get the game only and I won't probably be able to afford the keyboard bundle because just like, unless, don't knock it. No, don't knock over the Xbox. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't knock over the Xbox. Well, um, my Xbox is you know laying the correct way, so that's not possible. <laughs> um, but uh, anything else I've been playing? Real quick. Uh, let's see. I play. Obviously, I've been continuing my auto audio surf stuff. Like I, I wasn't able to play it for a week because I was gone, but I came back and I I played a few more albums, and I'm gonna keep doing that and twi- twittering about it. Um, <laughs> and I mean, if I could talk about an iPhone game real quick, because I've been hooked on this one game for like Super the, whole week, the whole week I was away. No, that's a great, gay, gay, great game, but it's this. <laughs> I know I almost said great gay game or something. Gay great um, game. Great gay gay gay. No, just a great game. Giggity. But well, for the week I was away, I was hooked on this tower defense game called The Creeps, and it's just some random thing I got while it was free. And I was like, I'm never gonna really play this, but it's free because I do that a lot. I just download stuff that's free. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so. I just was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to try this game because it's all my thing. And I was like, let's see what it's like. And I got hooked. It's awesome. Like, I'm not usually a big tower defense fan, but uh, for some reason, this one just like clicked with me. It's got a like cartoony style and uh, it it's what it is. It's called the creeps because you're uh, the tower defense uh, thing is that you're defending a little kid in his bed in these like nightmarish realms where all these little monsters are coming out from the, you know, the gateway or whatever and going around the path and trying to get to his bed. Which sounds kind of dirty, um, but uh, you get uh, weapons that are like your towers or whatever are kind of toyish. So like you get like a little laser gun, um, a boomerang, which is like your bombs, and a flashlight, which is like your uh, constant uh, DOT. It's electricity um, on the cre- on the creeps, 
and um i don't know like it's got all these uh environmental stuff like laying around like the uh the the laying around the path so you only have limited spots you can put towers to start with and you can like you got to choose between knocking out more stuff to build more towers or focusing on the creeps and uh i don't know it's it seems almost more puzzly to me than other tower defense games where it's just like i don't know line the path of towers and just shoot 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 yeah yeah um because i mean you know you uh, the the goal obviously is to like at least for the goal for me is to try to like perfect the level like uh not let any creeps in to the not let any creeps in the bed um and also destroy like everything in the environment and yeah uh so that's like it. It becomes uh, it really becomes like a puzzle solving thing because like it almost seems like there's one solution to perfect it, and finding that ideal solution is uh, is a tough challenge. The other night I spent the entirety of uh, not this past week's bombcast, but the one before it, which I think is about two and a half hours of playing one level and trying to figure not, it out. Yeah, and I still wasn't able to do it. But it's just that one because I was able to do it for like the ones or like the ones after it. So that one just gave me problems. But yeah, it's a really fun game. There's an ad supported version if you have an iPhone. There might be a Droid version of it. I don't know. Um, but it'd probably be hard. Like it just probably would be harder without the touchscreen. Um, and uh, Droid oh, wait, has no, a touchscreen. Yeah, I keep forgetting that. I keep forgetting Droid has a touchscreen. <laughs> I forget what your silly phone has. Okay. Well, anyway, if there's a Droid Lots. version of it, you might want to check it out. More they than an iPhone. Ad-supported. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Uh, blah, blah. But yeah. It's a fun game. So, so the the one solution esque type thing is something that you like about it, or that well, it's is... only one solution if you're trying. Like, it seems like one solution if you're trying to perfect it. Okay, um, okay. You can you can pass the level, which I did. You know, I went through. I think there's twelve levels in survival mode. Then there are other modes which I haven't gone into yet. I'm just trying to go go through and perfect everything in survival mode. So I was able to go through and beat every level. Just you know not perfect but now i'm going through again and trying to perfect everything and it's like getting to go through again with that really hard challenge is like i find enjoyable right uh let's see tower defense uh, can't find a segue is that all you've been playing yes <laughs> shit needed a save there okay i um i finally stopped playing retro game challenge i beat all the challenges um and I don't know how much I talked about it last week, but I, I don't think I talked too much about it when when I was on with you. Uh, just I want to get your th- how much you did play it, right? You did own it yeah. at one point. Yeah. What were you? How how far into it did you get? If I remember correctly, because it was a while ago, I'm pretty sure I beat like the story, you know, quote unquote story mode. Right. Um, but I don't like I didn't do everything. I didn't like 100% the game or anything like that. What did you? I mean, what did you think about? it overall i enjoyed it for i enjoyed it for the 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 playing through the story mode i enjoyed playing the like retro style games and you know like how each one was kind of a surprise and it was like interesting and i like the upgrading of stuff but like once it once i was done with that like i did try to go back and replay some games like they're just not i don't feel like they're fun if you're spending a lot of time with them as standalones like i don't know like the racing game for instance uh that's not a lot of fun when you're really trying to like, cause isn't like the challenge, like, you know, get first in all the like things and you can use the cheat codes or whatever. Um, but even then it just, it's, it's no longer, it doesn't seem fun to me. It's just like, I got to do this to get this, you know, to beat this challenge or whatever. And that's kind of why I stopped playing it. I didn't really, wasn't interested in doing like reaching all those goals. 
Well, there there are two. Well, I should say there are three games in particular which I which I thought standalone were actually pretty good. Uh, there is the faster shmup, the not the one that was like Galaga, which I pretty right, much had the to one endure. That's, yeah, I know which one you mean. Like I, I've said this already, and I, I probably I'm not receiving any flames because uh, no one listens to us. But if people did <laughs> listen to us, I basically said that Galaga doesn't cut it, and that like just within the context of this game is the only reason why I'd ever play something like that. But uh, the one that I really, the ones that I really liked were the faster space shoot 'em up because I just like shmups. Um, yeah. The RPG, just because you know of the novelty factor of how they just put everything together, uh, and then uh, Super Hagoman three, the third one, the third Hagoman game, because there were already two of them that were exactly the same. Yeah. And how they changed, they, they completely changed it up to be like an action game that was kind of like Metro, and I thought that was really ingenious. But I think my biggest problem with the game overall, and I actually threw up a review on the website www.trygames.net uh, is that you the the way that it throws everything at you is just kind of annoying. For example, the racing game that you just talked about. Here are the here are the uh, challenges. The challenges are drift twice, or sorry, drift boost twice, then finish the first course, then come in fifth place or higher on the second course, and then I think the last one is score over 15,000 points in a single play session. And that's kind of hard because when you when you get a game over, it resets your score to zero. Um, and what's really annoying about that is that for each challenge, I have to do it, I have to start it over again. Yeah. Like, for the for the drifting twice, like, you'd think that, it, let, let's say that we were playing an Xbox 360 game with achievements, and those four challenges were for the achievements. You could get all those four in a single sitting. And you can't do that with this because every time you complete a challenge, it goes all clear and it gives you this little fanfare and then it boots you back out to the, to the dialogue, which is another thing that I thought was really stupid. Um, so things that logically should be able to take, you know, one sitting if you were good enough and you wanted to give yourself that challenge, you can't do that. You have to, so it's repetitive. Play the first stage, get two drifts, get booted back to the start screen. Play the first stage to beat the first stage, get booted back out to the start screen. Play the first stage so that you can get to the second stage so you can beat the second stage, get booted back to the start screen. Go to the first stage again so you can score 15,000 points. Get You know what I mean? That That's really, the way that they force it on you, I don't, I really didn't like. Uh, and I feel like, you know, the counter-argument is, well, if they made it like the achievement system, then you'd play the game way too quickly, to which I would counter, then make more challenges. I mean, they yeah. could have done something like that. Um, and that that especially hurts for the games that you know are less enjoyable, like like the racing game as you mentioned, or like the Galaga game. You know, the less enjoyable ones are there to to kind of pay homage to the days of yore, and to kind of say like, hey, look, this is what games used to be like. Aren't we awesome for replicating it the exact same way? Yes, you are, but the way you make us play these, it's not that fun. Make it fun. Um, so that that really kind of got to me. Uh, it also just the dialogue, like. The whole story thing, I think it was a cute setup, blah, 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 haha, it's funny, you, you get to play him as a kid. But the fact that the dialogue went so slow and, like, every button press seemed to, like, every time the, the kid would say something and you press A to continue to for him to say his next line, it just feels like that time between when you press the A button and when the next line comes up, or the time that it takes between when you press A to, to go to the game menu and it actually comes up, it just, everything just seems slow, and it's like... If you're going to give me a retro game challenge, what that puts in my head is a quasi-WarioWare-esque experience. I know it's not WarioWare, but the fact that you're basically taking these small games and making these quick, small challenges out of them, except for the last two games, which are long and in-depth, and that, those I don't mind. Um, 
it totally like turns that kind of quick hitting feel on its head and makes it so slow that you you really have to dig to just find enjoyment out of the regular games. So and so I ended up giving it three out of five because I thought that the games themselves, if they weren't even if they weren't fun, they were they did a good job of you know replicating that old feel and being original all in its all at the same time. And the whole magazine thing was cute and fun, whatever. I mean, I didn't think it was so great, but just the inclusion of them was a, was a nice touch. I mean, actually, you said you use the cheats. I actually barely ever opened the magazines. Um, I only opened them to see who the editor in chief had to happen to be at that time to see how many game journal guys they got in there. Um, but I never used the cheats. Like you said, okay, so so if you remember, if you can remember for the racing game, what were the, some of the cheats that you used? Oh, like I mean, there's the one that's uh, you know just invincible. Uh, I think there was I don't man I remember I know I know there was an invincible one because that one I definitely used because it was so easy to blow up in that fucking game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember. Was there? I I can't remember. That's that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else I was playing. So after I decided to just kind of put down Retro Game Challenge for the count, um, I put... God damn it, I can't even remember. Okay, I, ah, I remember. I put Lunar Nights in to see what that was all about. I don't know what you know about Lunar Nights. Lunar Nights. Lunar Nights, if anything. That's a, like a, that's almost like a real-time RPG type of thing, kind of like Secret of Mana, isn't it? Like sort of, yes, sort of. Uh, it's. Did you ever play Boktai? The sun is in your hands. No, I just. The only reason I know that is because I remember Lunar Nights being seeing video of it somewhere, maybe on One Up or something. Yeah, that's basically what it is. It's it's a pseudo sequel to the Boktai series, um, if that's correct terminology. So it's basically a th- uh, an isometric view action RPG, like you said, um, and. Obviously, since it's a DS cart, it doesn't make use of the whole sun mechanic and, and, and whatever that, that Boktai had. So it doesn't That's have... That's because like, I knew nobody wanted to go outside. Yeah, which I think kind of sucked because I like I haven't played it yet, but when I play Boktai, I will you know go outside onto my terrace and be like, yeah. all right. That is definitely an interesting mechanic that like people should have used. <laughs> yeah, but um, so that I started... That better in like a portable Pikmin game, though, or something like that. Not Pikmin, uh... Well, I guess Pikmin. Pikmin's like about gardening, isn't it? I don't know. It, it is. It, it, well, it was. It was inspired by Miyamoto-san's gardening, um, but it uh, it was mostly it, it was mostly like a real time strategy that took place in like I guess you could say it's in someone's garden. But it, it you know it, any kind of any kind of like uh, natural naturally occurring area that um, that has grass and rocks is fair game for a picking game basically. Um, but so Lunar Nights, um, <clears throat> they do keep in the light mechanic of of having to absorb sun and moonlight, but that's that's self-contained within the game. Like it's not, it's not like um, you have to actually go outside and and put it into a sensor. So like in the game, like your character will come across certain windows that uh, through which light will shine. So then you have to like stand under the stand under the light and collect that energy. But um, otherwise, it plays like a fairly sta- so far. It plays like a fairly standard, just action RPG uh, prototype, and it- it's got that kind of timing to it that you can't just, for better or for worse, you can't just spam the attack button like you could with. Um, and I don't want to say this as like a-, a degrading comment, but like with something like Zelda, you didn't have to like time it super well. Like you could just keep on spamming on the button, and Link would slash. Not necessarily one to one with your button presses, but like there wouldn't be any delay between his first strike and the the next strike. 
um, if you spam the button. This is kind of, did you ever play, and I'm sorry that I can't even finish my sentences here, but did you ever play Crystal Chronicles on GameCube? Only for like a minute. <laughs> Only for a minute. Do you no, remember? Well, I mean, like, like, like a half hour, but I didn't like it. I don't so know. you remember how the combat felt? I'll just say yes. So make your point. <laughs> no, I remember I, that, that was more of a question. I apologize for not ever. asking it with an upward inflection, but that was a question. So yeah. you don't. Do you like it wasn't like a God of War, Devil May Cry, Ninja Gaiden, where like if you press the attack button, it was super responsive, or you didn't have to wait. Like, like yeah, you, you had to time like... your button presses really specifically, um, and sometimes it didn't match up with when you when the animation would end, so it felt very laggy or very like. I don't know, and and Lunar Nights like is kind of that. Souls. Is is Demon Souls that way? Yeah, you gotta time your buttons properly because you oh. gotta like you know make those attacks in real time. Another anyway, game. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's it. Another no. game like that is fucking Monster Hunter or Fantasy Star. Oh yeah, online well, Monster Hunter is like I hate Monster Hunter. Oh, that was one I played on the Wii because the combat in that was awful. The but, apparently uh, the one that's on the Wii is the best one, so there's no hope for Monster Hunter for you ever, anywhere. <laughs> so, okay. You know, and take it from me, it's. There's, there's no point. Um, but yeah, so... So Lunar com- Knights has bad combat is what you're saying. <sighs> See, I don't know how if, if it's really bad because it's nowhere near as offensive as... Um, it's nowhere near as offensive as something like uh, uh, a Monster Hunter. But it's still kind of laggy. And Okay, so you played Secret of Mana. You know that that kind of... That required timing, but at least you could see, you know, on the screen kind of when you were able to attack and when you had to wait. Yeah, I mean, it all sound, it's all similar. Like you said, it's kind of like Zelda and stuff. It's like that particular type of combat is just like, I don't know, it's what I would expect from those kind of games, so right. I would compensate well, for the way it has to be. Well, see, the like, difference, I think, with Zelda is that you could keep on mashing the button, and even though Link wouldn't slash his sword every time you hit the button, like, it wouldn't, it, it, he would keep on slashing it at a normal rhythm. Okay, so what you're saying with this is that it does it does have to finish out an animation. Right, right. If you keep on mashing the and button, you might miss the animation and it won't it won't continue the combo. Like, did you find it to be a problem where like enemies were getting like kind of I don't know how to say it, it's like in between frames or something and able to hit you where you should have really been able to hit them otherwise? Yes, because I kept on you know rushing my strikes. Um, so yes, that that was kind of a problem. And I guess you know again, it's a certain type of game that demands a certain type of timing. But that certain type of timing is a certain type of annoying. Um, I mean, otherwise, uh, uh, other than the combat, which is kind of important in a game like this, it's still, it, it, I guess it's okay. You know, there's nothing else that's offensive about it. Um, you got your usual, like, oh, you can use these special powers while, you know, if you, if you, um, if you equip a certain spirit, you can have, like, dark powers uh, on your sword. If you equip the fire spirit, you can have fire power on your sword. And it's like, interesting like that and you know I, I guess it i've been playing it for about an hour and a half and i guess it'll get more interesting um but i think because it's so action oriented like the combat really for me is very important in this in this vein and maybe it doesn't offend other people but i i wish that it had been better now i apparently there are two characters to play and the other character when you finally get him has a gun so maybe maybe the gun um, character plays better. I don't know. Oh, here's another thing. Uh, after I beat the first boss, it sent me on this uh space level where it was like uh, it looked, it, it played from the from the behind the ship view, so it was kind of like Space Harrier, and you can move you can move your ship around up, down, left, and right anywhere on the screen, and you can shoot anywhere on the screen. 
because you have the touchpad. Uh, the problem is that you also have to use um, the D, not the D, I'm sorry, the stylus to move your ship around. So, like, it, it creates this kind of weird, um, this weird dynamic where, where you, when you were talking about um, which bit trip game was it? You were talking about one of the bit trip games that you had to use your finger to move the move the thing on your iPhone. Well, yeah, the bit trip beat. Okay, so you remember how you said that um, you had to put your finger on the thing in order to move it you couldn't just put it put it anywhere on the screen no you could put it anywhere oh, on the you screen, could put it anywhere it, on the screen it's basically it corresponds like it jumps to wherever your finger is right like instead of uh instead of you being able to just move naturally like if you have to lift your finger and move somewhere okay. else and continue to move naturally it jumps and you're always blocking the screen okay so in this you have to put your stylus on the ship in order to move it um which if we're if we're Taking what you said into account last week, that's a good thing. Um, but at the same time, I felt like if I wanted to, if I wanted to shoot something and then quickly roll out of the way, I couldn't do. Like I, I was fumbling between shooting, like tapping on an enemy to shoot, and I'm moving my hand as if people could see this great radio. Um, I can't see it. Yeah. Ooh, what does that mean that you are? Hmm, are you under my? What? Not gonna go there. Uh, but it, you, you'd be tapping on an enemy, then you'd have to tap on your ship to move it, and like. Even though it sounds like like a weenie thing to complain about, like when you're in the heat, eh, weenie. If you're in the heat of it, like it just feels annoying to have to keep moving back and forth, back and forth. Um, and I got into certain situations where, like, I tr I quickly tried to move my ship out of the way, and I just ended up firing because like I was tapping somewhere on the screen. So I, I think that a better solution would have been to be like when you if you put your stylus on the screen and you hold it and you drag it, then your ship moves. But if you just tap it, then it registers as a shot. Um, the other thing is that those levels in general were just boring, and I'm sitting there trying to um, trying to just get back the action RPG play, and there are like four or five screens of this thing that takes like t it's like takes like ten minutes to go through, and I really didn't want to have any of it, so that was kind of annoying. And it got see this game got high marks from a lot of outlets, and it's not like I'm gonna sit sit here and say, oh, if the media says it, it's got to be right, but. You know, I, I went into this thinking, and maybe that's my fault for expecting things, but I went into this expecting it to be, like, a pretty well-crafted game. And I guess outside of the combat, making, ma look at me, making excuses for it, right? But outside of the combat and that stupid spaceship stuff, like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty, when I say typical, I mean typical of a quality game. It's a typical action RPG, you know, towns and items and, like, like well-crafted dungeons and shit. And actually, there's a little bit of a stealth element to it because it's a, it's a Kojima production. So like, if you if if you walk up on enemies with their back turned, you can get the jump on them, and and that's a pretty nice touch. You usually don't get that out of old school action RPGs like that. Um, it looks nice. Uh, it's got FMV, which looks kind of grainy, but hey, it's a DS. What do you expect? Um, but I don't know. I feel like I I put it in, and I was like, ah, I'm gonna have a good time with this, and now it's like, oh, I kind of have to work at it, you know. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that pans out. But that's what I've been playing. This week, when I'm when I'm not falling asleep at work and um, hating the fact that I'm in the office with nobody there with me, because I'm on the late shift now, so it's like I'm on the late shift, and there's one other person with me, but that precludes me from being able to do an owl and take out my DS, so I can't I can't do that. Anyway, what have you been playing, Al? Oh wait, if you haven't noticed, Al is not here. Al is at Six Flags. Hi, well, speaking Al. Speaking of Al and backing up to Rock Band Network is uh. Was it Rocco Fuerte? Rocco Fuerte! Are they gonna go on the Rock Band Network? Um, I don't know. Al thought it might be an intriguing idea. Um, I don't know how much they'd have to pay to get, you know, 
something someone like a rock gamer studios to do it for them um i don't know i it's certainly something that al is interested in just from the standpoint of this would increase exposure and i like rock band yeah but i don't know how feasible it is for them to do it well hey al when you never listen to this just know that if you do it you'll have at least one sale oh isn't that sweet Make I'm that not two. saying me. Oh. I mean, Des, Des will probably make me buy it because you know it's Al, but I, I won't. No, I'm just kidding. Of course I would buy it. <laughs> nice save. No, I'd be the number two, only because I'm not trying not to spend money now, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what we've been playing and shit. And... Oh, and by the way, Harvest yes. Moon. Was, Harvest Moon would be a good game with the light sensor. I thought of that. Oh, yes, yes, because it's farming and shit. Yes. Okay, let's move on. Moving on. Moving on. And for those of you who have been living under an internet rock, like me, because I didn't even find out, and and Pete and Al, uh, I didn't find out about it until I saw a random tweet about it. But um, there is a certain anonymous blogger who calls himself the EA Louse, who is basically, I guess he calls himself a whistleblower on how it was like to work at EA Mythic. For those who don't know EA Mythic or Bioware Mythic, as it's, I guess it's now known. Um, was responsible for the Warhammer Online game. And he he writes a blog that's titled Why Warhammer Failed or something like that. But it's really more it really ends up being more of a platform for him to talk about how how he disrespects doesn't respect, I should say, the management there and all the shit that they did that basically ended up uh I guess ended up leading to a failure for Warhammer. And then he also kind of rails into why he thinks uh what what's the star wars mmo um the uh the old republic why he thinks that'll end up sucking um and saying shit like oh haha it's a 20 gig install and they're most proud of the sound which takes up most of the install blah 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 blah, blah. uh we're running out of budget blah blah blah. and i guess i don't want to talk so much about the actual louse and the specifics of ea mythic itself but just i guess more about the I guess the seedy underbelly of the industry, if you will. Um, we've had talks, we've had some people blog about this type of stuff before. I mean, EA Laos, the, the name EA Laos, he bases it off of EA Spouse, um, which, if you remember, was all about how the shitty working conditions were like taking her husband's, like, you know, time and energy and basically his quality of living and dragging it down. Um, and that obviously ended happily, like, they, they changed their practices, but. I guess this guy was basically like, I don't expect this to be a happy ending. I just wanted people to know how shitty it was to work at EA Mythic. Um, and the funny thing is, as, as, they, as people remark in the comments, is that this terrible stuff had been happening while he was working there, but he didn't decide to blog about it until he was told that he was going to be laid off in November. So people immediately, some of the people were just like, well, this kind of throws the credibility of it out the door. It sounds like you're just pissed that you got laid off. Um, I was going to say that exact, that kind of I mean, there might be nuggets of truth in whatever his blog is, like, uh, like in his post, which I did read. But uh, it's kind of all the truth kind of goes out the window, or is like overwritten by like what sounds like you know someone who's getting fired and bitching about right. everything. I think the funny thing is that um, 
and I didn't link you to this, Pete, but um, there's a, there was another anonymous blog that popped up on the same day, which prompted Ingai Kroll to tweet like, geez, what the hell's what the hell's with the anonymized today? It seems like they're popping it everywhere. Um, but the whole ice frog situation, in short, is uh, is talking about uh, Dota, which Valve trademarks so that they can make Dota too. Um, I, how familiar are you with Defense of the Ancients? Ancients. I, I played it. Um, for those who aren't familiar, it's basically a Warcraft three mod. You, you could step in any time and tell me when I'm wrong because I don't know anything about it, uh, other than it's a it's a Warcraft three mod. Um, it's is it class based? Um, okay, Defense of the Ancients was. Uh, I don't remember if that was the one where it was like there was funnels and like lanes that you went up, or if it was the one where it was like you played a hero and then the like, and it was like kind of hero versus hero thing. I don't remember. I know I played it. I just don't remember which one it is. I think it was hero based. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Where um, you picked your hero, and it was basically like it was almost just like, oh man, I don't remember how to describe it. You just you just kind of went at it with the other, you know, your opposing the opposing player's heroes, and then you had your little minions running to the center and fighting fighting too. But it was really kind of just like it was almost just like Warcraft fighting game. Um, Warcraft fighting game. You're just oh. yeah, like if if it's the right one I'm thinking of, then it was kind of just. You, your hero, you, you, your minions beating the other other minions, like, and you uh, helping out helped to level up your hero, and it was just kind of a race to level up your hero first, right? And kick the ass of your opponent, right? Um, and so the whole thing, the whole thing behind this is that, like, I guess there were three main developers, and I know there all two of you who are listening who know about Dota are like, oh my god, you're getting it wrong, but like, there are two main develop, the three main developers, and one of them was shopping this idea around to um, another game studio. He left. And started working with that studio, which was basically bringing over a Dota-like game to that studio. Um, and then he started working for Valve, and Valve started making Dota. And so people were like, huh, that's really weird that he basically just jumped ship from that one studio before the game. I, I don't know if it was before the game was done or after it was done, um, to another studio. And he's bringing the exact same things over. Is he stealing assets? And so... Um, one of the one of the one of, one of the other Valve employees who's still working there, and I bring this up because he's still working there, and he didn't get laid off, and he's actually he's actually enjoying his time mostly at the company. So this is the exact opposite of EA Laos, where like he didn't wait till he got laid off or till shit went down. He's saying like, I am observing these things, and I think this is poisonous for the company that I work for and that I love. So I'm going to expose him. Um, but I guess there were three things that I wanted to take out of this conversation about these anonymous bloggers is is one how how this stuff can relate to us as gamers and I know like there's there's kind of a, like a, a tenuous link there because it's like oh we don't develop games why should we care but I think I think it it, it pays for us to you know at least if if you're I think if we're passionate about the hobby it pays for us to know what's going on behind the scenes and how it affects the games that we end up buying um you know games that if for nothing else than to understand that when what you have in your hands, if it sucks, here may be reasons why. Or like if you see a game that's getting delayed and delayed and delayed, maybe you should stop thinking about that game and move on to something else. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, for example, the people people who are clamoring for two human and wait like like me who are waiting for such a long time, and then you see all this drama behind the scenes about the lawsuits and you know Dennis Dyack kind of frothing at the mouth. Um, I think it relates it to us in a, at the very least a slightly in a slight way. Um, the other the other thing that I, that I think we can get out of this is kind of uh, how how this stuff addresses the picture uh, that these kind of blogs and and 
and and um, issues kind of paint about the industry uh, from a from a standpoint of there are a lot of people who play games and love games and think that making games is their dream job. And I guess when you talk to a studio, when you talk, when you see Jeff Green like tweeting things like, "Oh my God, I can't believe I work at PopCap." You know, there are some great things, but then there are other things like this where there's a lot of corporate drama, and it's it, it it's it's a corporation. Anywhere you go in the corporate world, you're going to have some bullshit, and this is no different. In fact, it may be even worse. Um, and I guess the final and least important thing of it is just, I guess, if you wanted to say anything about it, is just the whole phenomenon of an anonymous whistleblowers. And I guess we addressed that first, right, with talking about how this guy's like, oh, shit is bad, but I'm not going to say anything. Uh, but, oh, wait, crap, I'm getting laid off. I'm going to be a white knight and and blow the whistle on all this crap because I'm mad. Rawr, I'm getting yeah, laid off. Yeah, thing it doesn't seem white knightish or like honorable at all. It just seems petty and childish, especially especially with his like the way he was like calling people out and the way he like expressed certain opinions about certain things. Like you know, oh, you, we all know uh, Old Republic's gonna fail. That game's like awful. You know, Paul Barnett's project is gonna be awful. Oh, you didn't know about it? Well, now you do, and it's gonna suck ass. Like. It just sounds so fucking childish. So like and petty. Yeah, if you're if you're going to be a whistleblower, like at least try to sound adult about it and you know point out facts and you know like like show people what's going on behind the scenes without like letting your own um you know pissed offness whatever <laughs> <laughs> get in the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, the EA spouse thing was you were able to take seriously because it was a serious issue, and you know, like it, it it was like if I don't remember exactly how it was written, but I at least for the, at the point I remember taking it seriously, maybe because it was like it was an outside source, it wasn't the actual person in the company, uh-huh. and it seems like it was written in you know in sincerity, right? Um, whereas this does just seem petty, so like that right. that's the difference, and like. Uh, that's what I'm saying is if you're going to try to be an anonymous whistleblower, then don't sound like a fucking child. Right. And and the one thing that a lot of people are just like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be anonymous. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I can understand that if you're an employee still working at the company and you want to expose something and let the people know about it um, while keeping while keeping your job in an effort to search for it. Like, like I, I think um, I don't know if you ever listened to this episode. This is again, this was way back before you were actually a, um, a cast member, but. Uh, Ethan, Al, Tony, and I were talking about this Rockstar thing where one of the people who was working on the Rockstar's marketing campaign um, basically wrote, blogged about his experiences working there and how egotistical and just like asshole-ish the, the higher-ups were and like how they focused on partying and, and, and like really, really, I guess, marketing campaigns that didn't sit well with him. And Ethan had the standpoint of if it didn't sit well with you and you still worked on it, then you're part of the problem because you didn't do anything about it. And in this case, it's slightly different because, you know, he needs to maintain his livelihood. And it's not so much the content that he's working on that has a moral, that he takes moral issue with, but just the working conditions. So, like, I understand with him being anonymous and and not having the flexibility to just be like, you know what? I'm quitting and I'm moving and I'm going to expose you guys. No, he, you know, he's knee deep in this project and he's, you know, he maybe he wants to make things better. And the only way to do it now is to, you know, lash out like this. So the anonymous thing, I don't take issue with. It's exactly what you said, that he's being immature about it. And, like, he he he, pre- he prefaces this with all, like, this is like an EA spouse thing, but I'm not EA spouse. I'm EA louse. I am a louse. I'm a jerk. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, all right, fine. You know, he did, at least he did put that up in front. 
But by doing that, you are you are fifty percent discrediting what you have to say. And I say only fifty percent because, like, sometimes you know, if you're an, no matter how asshole as you are, if you're an insider and you seem to have information that commenters will corroborate, which it seemed like they did, then you still have some kind of you have some kind of sway there. But it's it's so tainted by your you know your immaturity towards the subject that you, you immediately you lose half the people there, and then that's why you see in the comments like blah blah blah, and then. The other thing is that people went off the rails and started talking about, like, I want to hear more about Star Wars Galaxy and, like, why you think it sucks. I think you're going to be wrong. And it's like, that's not the point he's trying to make. But in and of itself, that's a failure of him to even bring that up and start throwing mud at it. Um, So, I I don't know. I think, um, I definitely think he would have been better served by a more mature attitude towards it. Um, Because, I mean, you do see that, I don't know if you read his other blogs or his other posts, but he did have some other people who were corroborating his story, not fully. But part way, um, but the other thing that I guess uh, that I guess this does is like all this drama behind the making of a game. Like it, David, did you see David Jaffe's response to it? I didn't link you to it, and I think I should have. But did you ever see David Jaffe's response? No. He basically um, had, in short, he he was like, I can understand where this guy's coming from. At the same time, there's so many people um, who think that they know better than. Um, than those who are above them simply because they're sitting there from a different viewpoint. Right. Um, it's always easy to, to cast judgment on something that you're not a part of and then, like, complain about it. Uh, yeah, and- you know, he he talks about the guy taking, like, weekly vacations or whatever, but, like, he doesn't really know what that guy was doing. Like, that guy could have been out there doing his own job. Right. And this guy could just be like, well, you know, his job's easier than mine, so it must be a fucking vacation for him or something. Right. One thing that, like, really stood out to me was, and, and David Jaffe actually pinpoints this is um in i don't know if it was in the comments or in the main blog apparently it was in the comments but i swear i saw it when i was reading it early on but he talks about how paul Barnett comes in there and says like world warhammer is dirty it's grimy there will never be dancing in warhammer there will be no slash dance and then the, the blog, I, remember paul, I remember paul Barnett saying that <laughs> right but then the blogger was complaining about how that like he's like oh that takes away any of the you know creative vision or 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 the creative livelihood of us as artists like we should be able to express ourselves and the only way that we can do it now that we have these ugly characters and dark motif because we have to stick to an ip the only way we can do that is by dancing and we can't animate those now so we have like like our livelihood is gone and it's just like the way that i see it is and and actually david jaffe puts it much better than i do he's like it's it's fine to have creative ideas and expand upon them but if you are going to do it for an ip even forgetting about that, if you're going to have a certain game construct and a certain consistent atmosphere, your creative license has to be within the context of that atmosphere. Yeah. And so if you're going to have a game that's supposed to be really dark and greedy and gross and all that shit and unhappy, dancing doesn't make sense. So, like, and the reason why that, I guess that matters to me, maybe not as a gamer, but just as someone in general who, you know, someone who just, you know, likes to see create likes to follow creative things it's a, you can't just go go around willy-nilly and do shit because then you get into you, you get into things where like it doesn't fit the atmosphere okay so then you change the atmosphere you change the atmosphere then you got to add more things in you add more things in you don't have anybody to rein you in the game never comes out either the game never comes out or there's a really seething kind of bad there's bad mojo between people who are just like we should have this versus people who are like we shouldn't you know and that's just that's just bad you know creative energy there whenever you're working within a team construct like regardless of whether it's games or or 
or other types of media or even in things that I work in, like which is basically just systems implementations for businesses, you have to have a, a, a you have to compromise certain things. You have to stay within the certain context of what you're trying to deliver. Because the bottom line is like, oh, you don't don't think that video games are the only things that get delayed. Like everywhere, like in business and whatever, even even though businesses have a lot of money to throw around, that shit gets delayed because people start saying, oh, I want to put this in there. Well, that's not within the scope. Well, we need it in there. Well, you should have said this at the beginning. Now we have to increase our scope and now we have to expand our schedule. Like that shit is everywhere. And um, it's just something that like as as us as gamers, when we choose to read blogs like this, you know, and most of us, you know, most of us are on the bottom of the totem pole. Um, actually, you know what? I'm not going to say most of us, but I can imagine that most of us might be at the bottom of the totem pole and immediately are going to take this guy's side. Think about think about different perspectives for a second. There is is all that I think needs to be said. Um, like you said, you made a very good point. How do you know he was on vacation? Maybe he was on a business meeting. Maybe he was discussing things with the IP holders that that you know whatever. I don't know. Um, but I think I, I guess I think that's important for the people out there to know is because like even though that may not affect us in terms of the controllers in our hands, we are playing the games. We read about this shit, and we're gonna jump to snap. We're gonna make some snap judgments based on what we read and based on how it relates to us. I mean, I mean, to, it, it would relate to me because I'm I'm a lower guy in the totem pole. I'm like I'm I'm a team lead, but I'm not like an executive, right? Um, I mean, generally speaking, and I'm not I'm not trying to shit on your job, but I'm like I'm asking you like honestly like. From your point of view, as someone who works at the retail section of it, um, and not in like the corporate offices or like the management or like like the first thing that you would think, wouldn't this type of thing relate to you more so than the manager side of the story? I guess. Um... Just in in terms of like, oh, I can relate to this to the to the lower end of things as opposed to yeah. like the executive. Yes, I mean, someone like me could easily relate to what he's saying. And I th I think that it's dangerous for someone like this to spew out like this without, like you said, taking the time to address it maturely and giving like you know facts and saying and at the very least saying like there are two sides to every story. This is what I saw and this is how I perceived it. Bear in mind that they have this, that, and the other to be concerned about. So I'm not getting the whole picture, but you know from my point of view, this is what it's like to work here, and it's not all roses. I think there was a retort. That he that that and at the very at the very least, this EA Laos is pointing is is linking to negative responses to his rantings. So he's not being like, "Oh, I'm right." He's like, "Look, you know, I have my certain point of view. This guy blogged and basically cursed me out, but he has some very good points to make. So you should go read it. If you're going to read a negative response, read that one." And that guy was basically saying that, like, um, like again, there are two sides to every story. He didn't give the whole picture. He doesn't know these people like like this person does. Um, he doesn't know what they were doing. Uh, and the efforts that they were trying to make to make this game go out the door. And I think one of the points that was made was that Paul Barnett, all he basically did there was like hem and haw and yell and like pimp the game and promote it. And then the other guy was like, well, you know what? That was his job. Yeah. And, you know, the guy, the EA Laos guy was complaining about there being no marketing, but like Paul Barnett was kind of their marketing. And I wouldn't have really known or been interested in the game if it hadn't been for Paul Barnett. Right. Like, um, no, he did a good job at what he was doing. So, yeah. Everybody did know him as the crazy fucking British guy who was screaming about Warhammer, and that worked in its favor until, like, other problems arose. Right, right. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else he said that was a little bit controversial. Um, okay, so the, the, there was one part about, like, how there was one guy who was working on it, and then there was another guy who basically had his hands off, and then when, th when shit went wrong, the guy who had his hands off started blaming the other guy who had left. 
and that stuff that type of stuff is going to happen in any industry. They're going to be like there. Even the best people will have moments of assholishness where they will like cover their own ass. CYA is like one of the biggest, most important acronyms out there in any corporate setting. People will cover their ass and they will turn on you. So if you're looking out, if you're looking to to go out there and, and join the gaming industry and you know think it's like roses and like oh, this great area of independent development in like these small offices where everyone gets donuts in the morning and like like you can play pinball at lunch. No, when you get into the seedy underbelly of any corporate thing, if that development house gets bought up, you're gonna deal with that. Um, and I think I think it's funny that Bobby Kotick was like, I want to take the fun out of making games, which I, obviously that was taken out of context. But like, I, when you get to that point, there's not that much fun in it. There really isn't. So I mean, just a word of warning to anyone who wants to get into any industry that they think they're gonna love, unless you strike out on your own and open up your own that's studio. What I was say, do if that's what you're looking for, be ready. If that's the kind of environment you wanted, then become independent or like right. start an independent studio. There are probably lots of people out there who would love to you know, work on some sort of project in different capacities and could form an independent studio. Um, it's like obviously going to be a struggle, but if that's the environment you want, like that, that's the thing is this guy was so unhappy in his environment. Like maybe he should have did some research before taking a job at EA because right. it sounds like EA's working conditions have aside from the EA spousing have been pretty much the same, like throughout the history. Um, uh, so like, I'm go, go ahead, go ahead. I'm just trying to think about it. I mean, like, the obviously, like, overlying philosophies of EA, like, obviously, like, what kind of games they're pushing on stuff has changed, but I think, like, the working environment probably has stayed the same, I would assume, for most of its, like, thing. Like, once a studio is formed and it becomes a big corporation, you're probably going to have similar working practices from start to finish. Um, like, you know, Valve was a, you know, Valve started a certain way and they still design their games that way today. Uh you know, id software, probably the same thing. Like if you're going to work for a place, maybe do a little research into what kind of environment you're going into. I don't know. That That's what I would think. Yeah, no, that's certain. That certainly uh, is a good point. I think what, what, um, the, the way I feel about it or th what I'm seeing at least is, is not necessarily that it's EA's working conditions. Um, so much as, because I, I think the EA spouse thing was more about like, oh my God, like they're, they're making me, work like 80 hour weeks they're not paying me overtime blah 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 that type of stuff whereas this is more like um well this guy's complaining about stuff like outsourcing you know art and stuff like that if that's if he's part of the art team and that's a problem oh, that's right. probably something ea's right. always always been doing like i'm sure it shouldn't have been a surprise to him that ea is going to outsource stuff right i mean all the cartoons that we see are drawn in korea <laughs> i mean right there in but, um, and I, I would honestly say for this particular case that, that 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 definitely seems like the bottom line to why this guy wrote this thing is like he's like he's a disgruntled creative type that like you know whose whose work wasn't being used and now is being laid off so he just probably feels like he's been of no use to the company whatsoever right but um, I'm just saying that like yeah that's probably something he should have been a like I, I'm just saying that's probably something a practice that EA has always done and something he may have should have been aware of Right. I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's really hard to, um, uh, personally, I, I, I find it difficult a little bit, uh, personally difficult to just kind of, you know, sit here and criticize the guy when I'm, I'm doing the exact same he's doing, same thing he's doing. I'm criticizing him, but I'm not in his shoes. Um, but I mean, at, at the very least, I'm, I'm try not trying to criticize him. I'm just criticizing what he wrote. Right. Uh, well, that, that's pretty much him, <laughs> I think. I, I mean, I, I, I Look, I, I'm not in his position. I 
I, uh, I don't know what it's like to be in a somewhat thankless job and not get the recognition for it or, or whatever. Like I, I work in a company that does outsourcing too. We outsource a lot of our testing. A lot of companies do that. A lot of the companies outsource their testing and customer service. Um, but like, I don't know. I, I think that, again, the, the key point here is if you are going to say something about something, um, be super upfront about it. Like him, him being a, a, and I guess he never called himself this, but like the idea that he's this white knight is sullied by his attitude. Is sullied by the timing of it because, like, like we said, he waited until he was laid off to talk about this, um, and just like the the content of what he's talking about, um, the whole dancing thing is a little bit misguided. He's mostly railing against his, you know, his managers in a more personal way, and I, I, I guess I can, I can see how like creative, like he's talking about how creative differences ended up in some people leaving the company, and you know that that's always going to happen, but. I don't know. I, I think it's important for people to understand how difficult it is to work in that environment. And I, I basically feel that this helps expose that in one way, but also harms it in another. So, I mean, there you go. Um, now, what about this whole, like, like how this relates to, and, and, and I'm, I'm just trying to grasp at straws here because, I, you know, I, I haven't heard you talk about much about it, but how... If at all, as someone who just plays games, how does this affect you? And I'm betting not much. Not really. I mean, yeah, like especially like if I was just taking the the, the gamer side of me, not the like the one that's like kind of passionate about the industry. Right. Like it doesn't really affect me at all. Um, you know, I ultimately, you know, it it affect this particular if. if if what he's saying about the way Warhammer in specific was developed and the problems it had, then that affected me because Warhammer was a game that I was super hyped about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wound up not even playing it when it came out, like not even trying it because of the, uh, like, the problems I knew it had, like, right before its launch. Uh, I knew it was being rushed out the door and, you know, um, like, they made cuts to, drastic cuts to it to get it out in time. So I just wound up not playing it. Um, I mean, this, you know, this whistleblower thing didn't affect me because that stuff already knew. Um, if this stuff were to, like, happen, you know, prior to a game's launch, if there were to be more of these, like, kind of anonymous blogs, like, saying, you know, like, oh, were you excited about this game? Well, here's all the problems going to have, you know. And he is calling out games that are coming out in the future, you know, uh, Star Wars Old Republic. That's an MMO I'm looking forward to. But, you know, he's saying it's going, it's, you know, got a lot of the same problems or whatever, and it's going to be, like, a disaster. Um <laughs> Yeah, that that's actually where I was more going. I was I was wondering yeah. how that affected you. Like, I'm not. I, I'm taking it with a grain of salt because, like, right. I'll be able to make an informed decision before the game comes out. Uh, same way I did with Warhammer and other games. Um, you know, I don't, especially nowadays. I don't jump into purchases, you know, willy nilly anymore. Like, uh, I, I definitely try to like make informed decisions. So, you know. Like I said, if there were more of these, then it might just help further inform my decision, or at least maybe, maybe like uh, give me additional information I wasn't considering before. But I still would take it with a grain of salt because, especially with the anonymous thing, you don't know where it's really coming from. Right. And you know, like any kid could just like th- this could have been fake. You never know. Um, someone who just happens to know a few names and maybe a little bit of insider information who might not even be in the company. Right. Could have could have made this, and no one would ever know. Um, so yeah, I, I, I try to not let it affect me, even the, like, like a, taking, putting back in the passionate gamer side of me. Like I just, 
it wouldn't really affect me because because of the a- anonymity. Right. I think. Um, I just an- back, like. Oh, I just want to like just yeah. as a corollary, uh, the Jeff Gersman thing. Um, mm. Even though that was anonymous, there was so much like what that seemed at least like factual information and corroborating. Are you talking about you know, the Valley story. Wag post? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, because you know, obviously Jeff couldn't come out and talk about himself, right. but there were anonymous things going around and stuff, and that affected me because like there was enough to believe behind it, um, even though there was all the anonymity. Um, and uh, just like, one one quick thing, let's take this out of the specific EA Laos instance, and I, I guess my question was more geared towards things like this where they, they give you an expose on like all the crap that's happening behind the scenes is how that affects you. And it seems that it does, in, yeah. if, it's, if it's legit, I should say. I mean, it's all going to come down to, again, corro- like uh, corroborating evidence and other, other people speaking up. Um, you know, uh, again, I just I got to bring up examples. So the Jeff Gersman thing, like, you know, there were there was stuff coming out of other at the time GameStop editors and or GameSpot. I did that again. Uh, GameSpot editors and just other people who knew Jeff that made it seem very plausible. Um, this I obviously haven't read the comments and stuff. And you said David Jaffe kind of commented on it and stuff. But, uh, like, depending on if I read through the comments and I saw enough people that, like, I recognize and could, like, believe the validity of their statements and they seem to be corroborating it, then it'd hold more weight. Um, and that's that That would just be true of any of these type of things. If anything that came out, it would kind of be, is there additional weight behind it from sources that I trust? Right, right. Um, to speak about the EA Laos situation, not the situation, but just the general kind of what, what he's talking about and... Like that, that type of stuff does affect me in the sense that in getting a picture of how certain teams work on their games, it, it gives me an insight into whether or not it will, like based on past stuff, whether or not it'll end up being all right, whether or not I should be looking forward to something or whether I should just forget about it. Um, I think, uh, like for example, all the drama that went into Two Human is now making me skeptical that I'll ever that I should be caring about the next Two Humans at all. Like, at first I was excited about a trilogy, and now it's like, well, I don't think a trilogy is ever going to come out, so maybe I should I should stop putting emotional investment into looking forward into the Two Human trilogy because you saw what went down, you saw how they work, you know, um, like the, what was Two Human like ten years in the making, um, Duke Nuke like if it weren't for the fact that Gearbox is now taking the helm of Duke Nukem Forever, like, again, I, I stopped caring about Duke Nukem Forever maybe about, like, four four years into its, like, cycle because it was like, it's never coming out. But now, because I know that Gearbox works on their shit and puts out their shit, then I'm like, you know what? Now I'm excited for it. Um, because, like, you know, you read stories about how certain developers work on things or, or don't work. Um, I think a fascinating, an absolutely fascinating read, um, if, you ever have the t- if you ever have the chance, is to read Masters of Doom um, which is a book that was written about John Carmack and, and um, John Romero and their time at id and the falling out after and like basically their dynamic. Um, I think actually I think you'd, you'd find it pretty intriguing as well. It, it gives insight into the studio and it kind of like in a sense after reading that book, I, I started to understand why id still exists and why John Romero has been bouncing around for, for the last couple of years of his life. 
You know, it's like anytime, anytime you get a product from id, you know what it's going to be. Anytime you get a product that's being made by John Romero or that's being in development by John Romero, you're kind of like, eh, I don't even know if I should care about this. You know, I, I don't know if that, if that makes sense, but, no, it does. um, and yeah, and, and I think something like the Gersman situation, I think, um, is even more relevant to us when it, when it comes to behind the scenes about the media, because a lot of us lean on the media to tell us what we should like and what we shouldn't. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just simply mean like we read reviews, plain and simple. And to understand the process behind it and all sometimes the difficulties of that, um, like will help us understand like, well, hey, maybe I should be careful about what I read from certain people. Like, I mean, for example, when people like were, were found, and I think this is actually open information. It wasn't like there was a whistleblower. Like people, were like yeah, we know this. When when people found out that Famitsu gave scores based on their relationships with the publishers and money and money was exchanged, and that was freely open. I was like, all right, well, the next time I hear a Famitsu score, I'm going to ignore it because it means nothing to me. Um, you know, things like that definitely for that to be exposed. I mean, and I think I don't know. I is it's a it's a whole clusterfuck. I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> I have a hypothetical question for you. Yes. If okay, uh, I, I try. I would try to. I want to think of a game that you would like. Actually, a series that you would care about, but it's hard because you pretty much only play like DS games now. Well, um, I care about a lot. It's just I only have time to play DS. But j- just shoot. Oh. Okay. Um. Well, like I was going to use uh, Call of Duty as a as an example. You know. Okay. It, well, Infinity War is sure. a bad example because they kind of dissolve. Fuck. Um. Well, well, make it. It's hypothetical, so you could always. Well, you know. let's just say Blizzard, because fucking Blizzard would be the prime example. Blizzard, you know, every game that they've put out, you know, is considered, you know, like the best of that they're able to, you know, the be- the the best of their genre, or whatever. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like top tier, like excellent works of art, uh, all this stuff. Now, if there was to be an anonymous whistleblower in Blizzard talking about, like, you know, like bad direction, bad producing, whatever, like all, like just like. All this negative shit, kind of the same way there is with this one. Would that color your, like, your feelings or thoughts toward the company or their games, or would you just be like, well, you know what, they still make great games. I'm still going to play them, regardless of whether or not this may or may not be true. If if it's talking about their management style and like just random shit, like that will color. Like, I have no opinion of the studio or the people in the studio. I only have opinion on their games. So for to hear anything about that, yes, it would color my opinion in the sense that now I know a little bit more. Um, and and like wow, like if there was something that I took issue with, it was like I would be like, wow, I can't believe that they do things this way, or I can't believe that people act this way. But it wouldn't color my opinion of the games um, that come out. You know what I mean? Like if so, so say for example, if it was a studio that put out um, a game that was a little bit questionable. Um, it had its heart in the right place, but it ended up like going wrong for whatever reason, and I can't think of one right now. But it just let's say it just is is, is not as what what you expected. Um, and then they sign up to do another game that uh, that you really like, and you're going to have like people from the publisher or whoever owns the IP or like who who owns the franchise or whatever, like you know, gives them some guidance. Then I'd be like, all right, they have they're in good hands. Um, I saw the potential in the last game. But then the story breaks out about how like their management style is complete shit. Then I'm like, oh, wow, I am less excited for this game now. Like, for example, if um, let's take Retro Studios. If Retro Studios, um, if, if there was a whistleblower in Retro Studios before Metroid Prime ever came out, I would be super disappointed and super skeptical about that game because it'd be like, oh my god, they're taking an established franchise, 
and turning it not they're not, not only are they solely responsible for developing it they're also turning it into something completely different so that's that's when it gets scary but um again like like to be fair you can never tell until the final product is released and you play it for yourself i mean that's the fairest that you can be um but yes to answer your question like it de depending on what their past is combined with what's being said about them that would color my expectations for a game but it has to be like they can't be like a blizzard because blizzard has been rock solid like even if i don't always like their games like i recognize the quality in them so in that specific case no how about capcom um yes capcom i would be a little bit i would be a little bit apprehensive of the project in question because capcom is so up and down like there's some games that come out fantastic and there's some games that just don't so that's kind of a give and take i mean I feel like with Capcom, like it's not going to stop me from being a fan of the Capcom things that I like, but it's going to give me pause in terms of like what to expect from newer games. For example, like something like a Lost Planet 2 or a Dead Rising, you know, where I'm not too sure about it um, because Dead Rising is not Mega Man. I know with and maybe this is assuming, but I know with 50% certainty, which I think I think 50% at this point is pretty generous. I know there's a 50% chance that whatever Mega Man game they shit out, I'm going to like. <laughs> because I'm basing it on the past, and you know, and even though Inti Creates is working on the new retro Mega Mans now, I'm just talking about in general. Yeah. Like, there's, a, there's, there's at least a decent chance that I'm going to like a Mega Man game, whereas something like Dead Rising, which I've never played before, and it's very divisive and whatever, like, if I heard that like, there was real trouble brewing in the studio, I might be like, eh, you know, if that, if that makes any sense. Um, I don't know if I'm making sense. I really do. <laughs> it's making sense but yeah i mean because like i was just kind of i'm kind of asking back the same question you asked me about like you know How should it should you? i yeah should we care about this kind of thing because like right should it should we let it affect us um because yeah ultimately like i the gamer in me is just you know no matter what people say like i'm going based on my past history with certain development teams and houses and things like that so like yeah if it's a if it's uh, Blizzard or whatever, I just, no matter what anybody says, unless the game comes out and is bad, I'm, you know, going to have full faith that whatever game they're going to come out is going to be epic. Um, you know, so, and and with other studios as well. Like, uh, that's why I brought up Infinity Ward to begin with until I realized, wait, that's no longer relevant. Because, um, <laughs> you know, at the time, it's like, no matter what whatever be going on, you know, whatever Call of Duty game is going to be coming out, you know, if it's them, that's going to be great. So right, that right. sort of thing. Um, and obviously there was, I guess, some stuff going on behind the scenes, but even if somebody blew the whistle before Modern Warfare 2, it wouldn't have changed my feelings that Modern Warfare 2 was going to be a great game. Right. And, and, you know, the funny thing is that it gives me kind of, it, it kind of gives me pause as to whether or not, um, and, and, and this actually, that's, a, that's a, it just ties in nicely to when we were talking about Infinity Ward splitting up, getting split up and, and, and not split up, but, you know, their founders leaving and like, should we care about it? Um, yeah, I mean respawn like i'm like you know what i liked call of duty for 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 a decent period of time until like until i just got sick of the infinite spawn from modern warfare but like i'm not gonna pretend that i never liked the series right like i liked it for a good chunk of when it was out the infinity war game specifically uh, i should make that, that i should make that clear um and you know jason west vince ampella great they're making a new studio maybe i should follow them but then i'm thinking about like well you know what half the people who are who who um who are responsible for the greatness that was Call of Duty are still with Infinity Ward. Like, is Robert Bowling still there? I think he is, right? 
Probably. So it's like, I don't know, you know, does, does that and, – and then if there are stories that come out about how the companies work. Now, the stories that came out about how the company were, like most of those stories were just about how they were shitting on Activision and Treyarch. They weren't about their internal battles, I should say. So there's nothing much about that, unless I missed something. Were there, was there, were there stories like that? Uh, not like – no. <laughs> okay. So that settles it. Um, I think I have personally run out of steam – on this topic, and I am also hungry. Th- dost thou have more more to sayeth on the EA louses? Um, what was the other two? Because there was something I was gonna say, and I don't remember what it was. Uh, I'm opening up your email that has the three points that you wanted to talk about. Um, uh, and seeing. Okay, I guess we did cover everything. Wow, look at that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm done. Cover shit. All right, so let's see. Um, go visit Al at xlm2k.blogspot.com. Go visit Maurice oh. at everyonelovesdinosaurs.com. Go visit Dr. Fishypants at Dr. www.drfishypants.com. Go visit Gaming the Media at gamingthemedia.com. Where do you live? I, I guess there was no emails, huh? I live nope, no emails. At, at, uh, what, where's the one place you can get? Well, you can go to riven.com, but I haven't updated that in a while. Or Aww. just go to facebook.com, riven, or yeah, all the usual shit. Facebook.com slash riven, twitter.com slash riven, flickr.com slash gsriven. Uh, no, well, you don't have to go to that. That's not that big a deal. <laughs> Twitter, um, Facebook, and Riven.com are probably the important spots. Yeah. Uh, you can you can look at my insane, stupid postings at www.sharkversusoctopus.com. I need to find something else silly to post up there. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Mr. Chupon with, a, with an O, not a zero. I thought um, you were going to say what it is. I was about, I was about to say zero by accident. But it's M-R-C-H-U-P-O-N. Al is Twitter.com slash D red mage, the letter D and red mage. Um, I know I'm missing someone. AustinDelight.com. D, the letter D and light, not delight as in it's a delight, but D light. Um, I think we should stop hipping people if they don't write in. Hmm. Good theory. We should Especially stop. It, I'm it, not. It then I should start way. writing emails. <laughs> I, I was gonna say it doesn't matter either way because those people that would write in would probably be the only people listening anyway. So <laughs> it's it's like irrelevant. But I'm just saying, let's throw out an empty threat and see if it gets a response. <laughs> Anybody out there, write us. We're not going to pimp you. Uh, actually, if you write us, we will pimp you. How about that? If you write us, we will pimp you for one episode. Unless you're running an underground child pornography Yes, ring. then we... Well, no, then we will expose you. We will pimp you to expose you. Like, you live in this city. You want to expose children? What the fuck is wrong with you? Child pornographers who expose the children so that then we can get them arrested. Or something, because then you know, then they sit on the bottom. Hey, bunk. Arrested Development's a really good show, by the way. Did I mention that I watched all that on Netflix since it's streaming? It's a really good oh, show. It's, the whole thing is on streaming. Yeah. Oh shit! I should get on that. I watched the first season um, on DVD, and I need to watch the second and third, and I will. Yeah. 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 Really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the only thing I regret. Halloween. The only thing that I regret is that the main guy, the, the the head of the the head of the family, um, the one who goes to jail. Is on Hollywood Squares for Wii. Oh yeah, Jason Tambor. Yeah, I thought it was Jeffrey Tambor. Jeffrey Tambor. That's oh. what I said. <laughs> yes, what did you hear? that is what you said. Jason. 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 Oh, I sold my PS3. Ah, and why did He's you do that? I'm just curious. Why did you do that? Because I wanted money to go to the wedding and put oh. money with, which that money I sold my PS3 for definitely bought me a fun ass fucking time. That's good. In Pennsylvania, but but so, did you did you choose it, the the PS3 because you really don't use it anymore, or was it basically like okay, I'm basically going to have to have to sacrifice one of my children? 
Well, it's the fact that the PS3 is the, is the one that I own, whereas Des, is own, Des owns the Wii and oh, the Xbox and the three, is both and the of ours. Okay. But even if I had to choose between the three, well, if I had to choose between the three and it was my choice, I would have sold the Wii because I use the Wii. We don't use the Wii at all, really, ever. Right. Um, but uh, this, yeah, the PS3 also was not really being used. Um, and yeah, so. So you, so you sold them a, a Linux powered PS3? Well, it didn't have Linux on it anymore. Oh, you removed I had, it? I had yeah. updated it ever oh, since okay. that debacle. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, oh. So everybody, donate money to Pete so he can buy back a PS3. Wait, 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 wait. Was it a backwards compatible one? Yeah. Oh. But I didn't care about that either. I was hardly ever. I no, I know, dude, but I, I played but like two. Three I know, but PS3. What, what I'm saying is, for your salesmanship purposes, I hope you got more money because of that. No, you would. People just don't seem to care about. At least people in Boston and through Craigslist don't seem to care. If I'd been able to go through eBay, I probably could have gotten more money, but right. that would have been more of a hassle. Shit. Craigslist people don't care about backwards compatibility. Uh, it, was it a sixty gig or a twenty gig? Sixty gig. So it had the wireless built in. Yeah. Then no, I, wait. What? Yeah, yeah, it does. No I might have. Yes, it does. I, I should have asked you because then I would have bought it off of you and then given you mine. Or I would have traded you mine. My, yeah, I would have traded it, you my 20 gig because mine so doesn't I, have the built-in built wireless stuff. So that I, And I, I'd pay you a little extra money for the for, for the amenities that came with the 60 gig because I already have a larger – I already have a 250 gig laptop hard drive in there. So Yeah. Um, and, then, and then you could have sold – you could have been giving up less for the same amount of money while getting a little bit of money from me. But oh well, it's done. Irrelevant now. I no longer own a PS3. I may get one again in the future, but not really worried about it. Yeah. All right, so that's gonna do it for our show. Thanks for joining me, Pete. Fuck you, Al, for banning us. We miss you. We love you, Al. Look Pete. for Rockaforte. Rockaforte. Musica. On the Rock Band Network. Coming in 2011. For Pete. Bye. For Al. Hey, what's up? I'm on a roller coaster. <laughs> I've been your host, Austin, and we are bitches. I just called us bitches. I'm not a bitch, you're the bitch. <laughs> I'm not a chicken, you're a turkey. <laughs>